Before we begin today's show, just under two weeks away from USC 252 in Las Vegas, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic 3. A trilogy fight to see who's the best UFC heavyweight of all time. We're lucky here at ESPN because every single Monday, Daniel Cormier joins Ariel Hawani for DC and Hawani, the fastest growing podcast on the planet. This Monday, DC and Ariel will preview UFC 252 and discuss everything else going on in the sports world, like DC's beloved Houston Rockets. Just search for Ariel Hawani's MMA show on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast where we talk about the NBA. We are presented by Goodyear. Drive always discovers possibilities. Goodyear, more driven. Joining me tonight, which we are uh, taping Sunday night, the Bucks Rockets game is going on. We're going to try to finish this in order to see the end of it. So if there's an all time classic ending and you came to this podcast on Monday morning to talk all about it i'm sorry we're not going to be able to accommodate you um but joining me from austin texas is former san antonio spurs front office man and uh good day for the spurs today kurt goldsberry what is up brian spurs keep winning (laughs) here we go now in ninth place here we go talk about that later joining us from naples florida is our front office insider former 20 plus member year of the New Jersey and Brooklyn Nets, uh, Bobby Marks. Hey guys, how are you? Good. And the Nets had a good day today too, right? They did. I guess they, maybe. Well, it depends on who you talk to, right? <laughs> they they shoved. Who want, I think there's some people who would like to have that pick in the uh, in in the lottery. There. They shoved down that potential Wizards uprising. <laughs> <laughs> By beating the Wizards and holding off those hard-charging Wizards. Um, <laughs> we did get 30 points today from Thomas Bryant. Um, so we had a, an unfortunate event um, in Sunday afternoon's uh, Magic game. Uh, Magic were winning by 25 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and Jonathan Isaac uh, drove the lane. He basically went to do a jump stop and his left knee uh, buckled and uh, he had to be taken off by a wheelchair. Um, and Bobby, the reason that I was, you know, I'm, I'm very upset by this because Jonathan Isaac is extension eligible. Um, you know, he's just having, he's been having the best year of his career. And so I, I often think about guys' contracts. I shouldn't do that, I guess, but I, I do think about that. And it, it actually, led me to think a lot about the way the Pelicans are handling Zion. But but first, Jonathan Isaac, he had a knee sprain. His left knee was sprained back during the season, I think maybe in December or so. Um, he heard it on New Year's Day. On New Year's Day, okay. Um, and he had a, a pretty severe sprain and bone bruise in his, in his left knee. And uh, so sprain means partially torn ligament. That's the definition of a sprain. And I don't know what ligaments were involved, and I don't know whether this injury today, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an orthopedist, I can't tell you. But when you see an area that was coming, it was just when it was injured a few months ago, potentially suffer another injury like this, 
you, you kind of just get sick to your stomach, Bobby. And, and this is why organizationally it's so difficult to make these types of decisions with injuries. And, and Jonathan Isaac probably rolled the dice a little bit playing in this restart. And this is why players twist in the wind on injuries a little bit. Well, you're right. I mean, he missed 31 games. I mean, his injury was severe enough that um, the Magic actually applied for the disabled player exception. Uh, him and El Farouk Amino. Amino was granted that they got denied on the Isaac one uh, because the league had determined that he would be back by mid June. You know, if or you know Orlando had gotten to a an NBA Finals and the season hadn't been you know postponed. So you're right. The first thing I thought of Brian when he went down uh, um, was the you know extension eligible start in this this October, and um, I give him credit for for being on the court uh, with so much at risk there because he, he could have easily um, and of course the medical um, the, the Orlando medical you know department has to clear him here, but he could have. You know, he could have opted out like, uh, you know, Davis Bertans, who is a free agent. Um, this is a little bit different because he's got another year left, but he's got this potential, this big extension kind of waiting on in, on the horizon. And now we're kind of in a, in a waiting game where this knee go, where this happens with this knee. Yeah. So there was a number of players. So there was a number of players who were in his position. I don't know if he was in this group or not, um, who approached the league before the bubble and requested additional insurance. Um, and said, you know, normally we would all be eligible to sign our extensions on July 1st. Uh, I talked about this on a previous pod. Jason Tatum was in this group. Bam Adebayo was in this group. These are guys who would normally be get to offer an extension and have, could have signed it before next season. And they were like, hey, can you get us some additional insurance here? And um, the league did get some extra insurance, but it was not the type of insurance that I think they were looking for. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it just illustrates Kirk, the challenges that so many players had, you know, we've talked about Victor Oladipo a lot. Oladipo has elected to play and has played. Um, but the concerns about injury in this situation with so much on the line for this sort of strange little restart situation here. Yeah. I mean, we essentially just went through an entire off season. 140 some days is about the same time as we would go between, say, uh, the end of the finals and opening night of the next season. It was a long break. Um, and, you know, the league is dominated by sports science now. It's the era, uh, era of load management. Um, and one of the things we've learned is to keep these guys healthy and upright, you have to slowly increase their load and their their workloads and, to, and and not start too fast but given the the nature of this restart to your point you know i think teams did a pretty good job starting slow and getting up but i think we're turning up the volume pretty quickly right now i mean the, the playoffs start in two weeks so guys want to be in peak condition well and then there's weeks. also teams that are fighting for a lot going on immediately Exactly. So it's not like a normal beginning of the season in that sense. It is, no, we're not just kind of going through October, November. This is the equivalent of what would be normally be March and April. We're fighting for our playoff lives. We're fighting for seeding. We want to get in peak condition and playing at a high level now. Uh, and that's risky when you've just taken four months away from the game. Yeah, so I think the, the reason I, I brought this up is because of the way the Pelicans are handling Zion. You know, it... it 
I talked to several people who are, you know, just NBA fans that I know who were pretty upset. I mean, this one guy I talked to um, was like <laughs> borderline angry that Zion only played <laughs> 15 minutes in that opening night. And especially since the game was skin tight down the stretch. Um, hey, was that, uh, was that Alvin Gentry? Who were you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was talking to a guy who had a bet, who had a bet on that game or something. Um, uh, David Griffin, the general manager, came out after the game and explained a little bit that they were going to protect Zion and keep his minutes down the whole time. But, um, you know, Zion is not on their injury report. So... You know they are treating him as if he is a if he is coming as if he is coming back from injury, but he is not on their injury report. So I cannot make an assumption as to what's going on there. When you watch him play, he clearly is not in condition to compete at the highest level. And Bobby, I actually, you know, as I've watched him play two games, I, I don't actually think they probably should have played him at all. Um, the way he's playing. In fact, I talked to a scout who said to me he shouldn't be out there right now in the condition he's in. He said to me he's in worse, he's moving worse than he did in summer league um, last summer when he got hurt in his first or second game. And, uh, and he, you know, I don't know if that's because he's out of condition or that's because he's got something that they're not discussing. But um, this is one of the things that the Pelicans have to deal with. This is a guy who has a history of knee injuries and is not right either because of conditioning or because of something else. And this is exactly what happened with Jonathan Isaac is why these teams are so, so protective of these young players. Well, you're right. And I think, and I'm actually surprised guys that we don't, we haven't seen more injuries so far just because of the, the such the long layoff. And, you know, you've had basically a, a two week, um, you know, uh, mini camp to get back into, into some type of shape here. And, Brian, I'm actually surprised he even played the first two games, to tell you the truth, based on um, him being away for the team for over a week and then, you know, after being in quarantine when he came back and, uh, you know, basically being shut down. And, um, you know, the, 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 the debate is that the minutes, as far as how the minutes were used, right, on Thursday night, that he did not finish the game. And, you know, it's it's different than what Orlando uh, with the Indiana did with Victor Oladipo, who they, you know, I, I guess they said he was on a minutes restriction against Philadelphia, but he played the last six minutes of the game and you know had an right. had a had an impact. So if you were going to make the argument, you know, well, why didn't he finish? And you know, that's something that the, um, David Griffin and Alvin Gentry has come out, or, or Alvin Gentry came out and it basically said, "Ask the medical department; they're the ones who were kind of setting." Um, setting the minutes here, and um, but yeah, I, I just you just well, watch him. Griff Griff explained that he is a little bit more loose at the start of quarter. I guess because he can warm up for the first quarter yeah. and warm up for the third quarter. I guess that's the rationale there. That whereas if they let him play in the third quarter and then shut him all the way down till the end of the game, that he would stiffen up. I guess that's that, that's the explanation he gave. Yeah, and I think this situation gets magnitude because they had an opportunity to beat Utah Thursday night, and they kind of threw that out the window. And then they get their, you know, they get their doors blown off um, against the Clippers. They weren't even competitive. Um, you had guys not running back on on defense. As I, I said yesterday, I said on Saturday, felt like they were playing in the mountains, right? I mean, like the 
like the altitude in Orlando got to them because of their uh, <laughs> their effort level here. And that was the that was the one thing that I was concerned about is guys. You know, we saw with Utah against Oklahoma City, we saw with the Pelicans against the Clippers. Um, you know, players that had pl- played these high minutes on Thursday night. What, what what their recovery was going to be, um, you know, forty eight hours later, just because this is there's so much of the unknown because we've had a four month layoff here. Yeah, we had a couple of overtime games where guys played into the forty minutes. Yep. Uh, I think Harden played forty three minutes or something in that uh, in that first game. Um, but you know, I don't know. Maybe the the team sort of realizing that Zion wasn't going to be able to play much affected that as well, Kirk. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the if the, how well it was even communicated to the team. Talked to one GM and I, I just asked him, you know, what's your uh, what are your early reactions of the bubble? And he would quickly say, I can't believe that so many guys are playing thirty five minutes or more out there already. So you know, some some people are seeing that and it's crazy. Um, but back to Zion, I think he just played the two worst games of his career. Uh, his career is not that old, but he played 15 minutes in the Utah game, did not look great, did not look terrible, uh, but did look terrible in uh, the Clipper game. Played 14 minutes, was three of seven, um, had three turnovers, no assists. Remember, he's supposed to be a, a passer, too. He, he has one assist in these two games total. Um, he does not look right. It does not look good. I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say he shouldn't be out there because I don't know. Um, yeah, but some. Neither. Something might something smells fishy here. I don't know what's going on. He does not look like the kid who was dominating the league in March. I mean, this is a guy who was who was having a coming out party. The Pelicans had really just coalesced into something there, uh, and they did not look good. And to Bobby's point, it was pretty bad uh, against the Clippers. They were not running back on defense. I think I know one of the exact plays that you're talking about, Bobby. You yeah, know, I think it's Derek Favors. Fav- Favors get, get, and Ingram. They didn't get across half court, um, and you, you hate to see that in any level of play, uh, but you don't really see that in NBA, especially for a team that's trying to get into the playoffs. So it just it's just I mean, if there's one team that's had a really bad couple of games here in Orlando, it's, it's the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, I'll, so, I'll give you a close second is Sacramento. <laughs> that's another story for another day. I mean, goodness gracious. <laughs> well, they I have mean, been completely snake bit. However, De'Aaron Fox got healthy – for their opener and scored 39 and they still couldn't win it. Um, Bobby, what would, you know, we, we don't know the medical and the, the Pelicans have been very adamant to make it clear that they don't think they've never thought that Zion has a conditioning issue, but what, what do you do from here? What, what, what do you do with Zion? This guy is, potentially an MVP type talent, but his physical challenges are going to hold your franchise, the, the, the future of your franchise in that. What do you do? Well, I mean, in, in the short term, they've got, um, you know, they've got a game on Monday against uh, Memphis. I mean, their schedule guys, it's, 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 it's fascinating. I mean, like, I mean, they've got six winnable games here, right? I mean, like they could easily run the table, but they play Monday against Memphis, and they don't play again until Sacramento on the sixth, which is Thursday. It's one of those rare, like three day, um, three day layoffs. So, I mean, from from a conditioning standpoint, it's not like all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, those three days will help. 
but I'm uh, those those eight or nine days that he's missed has is, has has killed a guy here. So I'm, I'm still probably putting him on a on a on a short leash here, as far as from a, from a minutes restriction here. You know, maybe he goes from 15 to 20 against Memphis. We'll see how he how he recovers. Um, you know, in those three days um, three days that they have, I mean, they they actually benefit here, but. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I see it. Um, is that I'm kind of I'm I'm keeping these what as David Griffin said the short burst. I'm going to probably continue that pattern, and it and it could throw off as far as what as far as what rotations the Pelicans are putting out there. It could hurt. You know, the other thing too is that um, you know Derek Favors looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, no offense, but he looks like he's about 15 pounds heavier. Um, than he was when the season ended, and he has a hard time kind of getting up and up and down the court here. So um, some of these guys, I, this is where teams are going to separate themselves as far as what guys were able to do in the last three, four months, before, you know, when the season got stopped. Uh, Nick Nurse, <laughs> did you hear what Nick Nurse said after the game uh, Saturday night? Um, you know, he was feeling himself a little bit because. Um, they had a really nice win over the Lakers and, um, you know, Toronto, Kyle Lowry played just a brilliant game. Um, but nurse, you know, said he, he basically said, you know, the word on the street is that some of these teams were out there playing together as an, our guy, our guys weren't. Um, and he feels that you can, I don't know if he's, I mean, that rumor's out there. Any of us who are talking, um, to, to guys, uh, you know, believe that there were some teams that were, not necessarily following the local quarantine rules. Um, certainly the Pelicans wouldn't be argued that they, they were doing that. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, some of the, t- there's a couple of teams I- I'm trying to dance around this without getting aggregated. Um, but one of the teams that who has been strongly accused of it uh, behind the scenes by, uh, by other teams, I was talking to an executive from that team and I made a passing reference, not even to like do a gotcha, just a passing reference to that um, scuttlebutt. And he was very defensive. <laughs> he got very, very defensive. Um, so it's one of those things that's um, that's being, you know, talked about under the radar, just below the radar. And uh, Nurse referenced it in his postgame comments. Um, although I think the Raptors have had somewhat of a, surprise advantage as I've talked about by being able to be it together as long as they have. But um, you definitely can see which teams are, are gelling faster than the others. Um, and uh, some of them are the teams that have been accused behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, the, the challenge really now is uh, for the Pelicans, you know, when they come, this is their biggest game, Memphis. They 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 win on Monday against Memphis. Memphis had a brutally hard loss to the Spurs uh, today, so they have to play on the second day of a back to back. You know, Zion's got to make the most of those fifteen minutes, right, Kirk? I mean, we've you know if if, if Zion is he's got to got to give him got to give them a lift in those fifteen minutes because those fifteen minutes could be the difference in the game like that. Yeah, well, here's a here's a striking stat because in the 15 minutes against the Jazz, remember the game they lost by two, uh, the Pelicans were minus 16 when Zion played. The next game, Zion plays 14 minutes against the Clippers. The Pelicans were minus 17 in those 14 minutes. Zion hasn't been helping. And if you look at his plus minus, which is not the best stat in the world, 
But generally speaking, he's a positive player. The Pelicans win basketball games when Zion is out there. Uh, so that's another indicator that something's not right. So, yeah, the Memphis game uh, becomes one of the biggest games in the bubble for obvious reasons. Um, you know, it's Monday. It's 530. They could reframe the whole thing. But Zion's got to look completely different than he has um, the last few games. And one other point. You guys were talking about this. What should they do? I don't know. He is a potential MVP, as you said, Brian. Um, and the, the, the precedent that came to mind when you guys were talking is Joel Embiid. And he didn't play any NBA games when he was 20 or 21 years old because they knew this guy could be special. They knew he could uh, potentially be an MVP. And they shut him down, historically just shut him down. And I don't know if that's what they should do for Zion, but if they lose that Memphis game, Brian, if they lose that Memphis game and are 0-3 in the bubble and you look at the standings and there's four teams in front of you, the conversation has to happen. Is it time to shut Zion down? Yeah. Um, and do what then? Try to get them right. I mean, this is the future of their organization. Like, like with Embiid, right? Like, you know, Embiid, you know, there was this the devastating story about how he was drinking a gallon of Shirley Temples with every meal and you know, why he was injured with that broken foot and wasn't able to work out and he was living out of the four seasons and ordering room service at every meal. That you know, that he was acting like a nineteen year old. Um, and he really transformed his body, you know. Is that I mean, is that basically what he's what he's got like like a lot of young players um who nineteen twenty have to change their bodies dramatically. Um, that may be what he's gotta do, even though they're the, the Pelicans have been very careful not to, not to, you know, insult him in any way. No, and you're right. Players grow into their bodies in the first few years of their career. Embiid's a great example of how to do that right. Um, and, 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 there's, and Draymond Green's another one. You can continue to get stronger and leaner and better at basketball in your early 20s. The Pelicans need to be thinking about the seasons where uh, Zion is 23, 24, 25, and 26 and how to make sure that he's ready for those seasons. Um, they're not winning the finals this year. It'd be nice if they got to the playoffs. We all want to see Zion. Uh, but, man, this is the most important young asset, arguably, in the entire NBA. And they have to treat him with kid gloves, to say the least. Well, this is to be continued. We're going to be watching this for years. Um, I'll just put it this way. Uh, a week ago, I would not have predicted that this is what we would have been talking about with Zion. <laughs> I would have thought there was a possibility he wasn't going to play, and we would have been disappointed he wasn't going to play. Um, this isn't what I thought. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. 
Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. But you brought up Embiid. And even though I know that it feels like we've been talking about the Sixers dealing with, with, with stuff for 10 months now, their first game out of the shoot, they just picked up right where they left off. Um, they, you know, it, it was a, obviously a very high-profile thing that coming out of the bubble, they were going to move Shake Milton into the starting lineup, or at least keep him in the starting lineup because he was there at the uh, at the at the stop, and uh, he uh, they were going to move Ben Simmons to power forward. And, you know, there was this idea that they could find a way to capture the, the best of what they had as a team that allowed them to be so dominant at times. And they come out and they get beat by an Indiana Pacers team missing two starters. Uh, ben Simmons plays in his new role, plays really below his standard on defense. I just put him on my all defensive team. And T.J. Warren, who had the game of his life, but mm-hmm. T.J. Warren lights Ben Simmons up. Um, I think the uh, stats and info tracking have said he was like 9 of 10 shooting when uh, Simmons is a primary defender. Um, Joel Embiid gets into it with Shake Milton uh, at halftime, I assume about defeating him the ball. And Shake Milton is benched to start the second half. Uh, they give up some... I don't know off the top of my head, 42 points in the fourth quarter of that 46. game. Or something. 46. Uh, they were just such, this team was so talented. You know, like, <laughs> you, like I watched the Raptors play the Lakers. Tell me that man for man that, that the Raptors are more talented. But you watch the Raptors and they get the absolute most out of just about everybody and the Sixers just don't. And it's it's mind-boggling, Bobby, and you know we're one game in, and they they play Monday against a Spurs team playing their third game in four days. They better win that game, <laughs> not because I'm you know thinking they're not going to make the playoffs or anything like that. They're in, but they better start showing that they can get some momentum here, because I just can't believe how disappointing this team has been. Well, I mean, on they're what we call a paper team, right? They look great on paper. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, and, and they reminded me of like when teams have these great off seasons and we anoint them as the favorite going into the season, like Philadelphia, we anointed them during the, before the, before these seeding games even started, because as you said, they had changed the lineup. They looked dominant in some of these scrimmages, right? There was a new outlook. They weren't going to be playing in front of fans on the road. They were such a terrible road team and then you revert then you go and you play as you said a indiana team that had missed you know two key players and had miles turner in foul trouble that eventually fouls out and victor oladipo on a on a um a minutes restriction and, and you give up 46 in the fourth and lose by six and yeah i mean you didn't you didn't get much out of um Outside of Embiid and you know Tobias Harris you know you didn't get much out of the rest of yeah, your Embiid uh, played a great game. He, yeah. he did play a great game. Yeah, and I think um, you know we were talking before we 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 started here. Like 
if you're Philadelphia, you're like you're almost content staying at six, right? Like you know, based on what Yosef Nurkic was able to do in, the, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in this in that Portland Boston game, is like you know, what? let's just let's just take our chance with um, with uh, with the Celtics instead of trying to get to five and, and face a, a you know a, a Heat team. Yeah, and um, they they ended up they, they lost the tiebreaker. Uh, Indiana got the tiebreaker with that win so that be sort of put them even further away from moving up to the five seed um and they've i think they were either two and one or three and one it was art was i don't know if it was already can't remember if it was already done but they had played really well against the celtics this year um and uh, as you mentioned uh, Stephen adams had a really good game against boston in their first game out which uh, the thunder won um today the celtics won a um a really good game against portland portland was down twenty something and uh, got it all cut it all the way to one in the fourth quarter with a huge comeback, but Boston held them off. But Nurkic um, had thirty points um, in that game. You know, the best game Nurkic has played in a you know long time because he's coming back from injury. And seeing the big guys put up baskets, um, uh, you know, you could make the argument that their best bet is to stay there. But beyond where their seat is, this guy start they got to start playing like a team that's that's got a 140 million dollar payroll Kirk because um <laughs> like th- this has been this has been I mean on media day when I was in Philadelphia Zach Lowe was there to do a podcast Rachel Nichols was there to do interviews for the jump and I was there to do interviews for Sports Center. we were treating it like it was um the finals media day <laughs> you know we were like oh this team is the team that's going to take over for the Raptors in the east and they are going to be the dominant team. And, and like from that day with all of which, by the way, Joel Embiid said with a straight face that, that he was going to win MVP and defensive player of the year, um, which he's known to make crazy statements, but um, a guy is going to do that. Um, he plays for a different team. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, Kirk, I, I just, I don't know what the answer is for them. And I, I know that they, that Brett Brown just spent four months trying to figure it out, but he looked like, a zombie in the fourth quarter of that game. Well, Brett Brown's got too many power forwards to play with and not enough guards. Uh, you could argue that the four highest paid guys on the team are power forwards if we're supposed to think Ben Simmons, or power forwards are bigs, if we're supposed to think that Ben Simmons is a power forward now. What jumped out to me in that first game in the bubble when they lost to T.J. Warren uh, is... Uh, he, did, he had 53. <laughs> they essentially lost I, you know, I've always loved T.J. Warren. I was very happy. Uh, but I grew up a Sixers fan, so I also root for them a little bit. They, they're starting guards. If you count Ben Simmons, Josh Richardson, and Shake Milton, uh, combined to make zero three-pointers and try two three-pointers the entire game. They don't have enough shooting. It's all they can do to get to league average three-point production in a given night. Um, their front office put Brett Brown in a tough place. Here's Al Forford. J.J. Reddick's gone. Jimmy Butler's gone. How about Al Forford? And so now he's trying to make Shake Milton a starting player on the fly. Uh, it obviously didn't go so well. I was one of the ones who was seduced by the possibilities because Shake is a good on-ball threat. He's a good shooter. Uh, he can make a play for you, um, but it didn't work out. Uh, well, that it, said, might, it might work out that's what I mean, I'm in later games. But. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they beat San Antonio, let's say, or my Spurs. You know, Then they play Washington and Orlando. They could be 3-1 and one by Friday in the bubble. Um, so, you know, one game, TJ Warren, as you said, Brian, a great scorer had the game of his life. Uh, that's going to happen. 
Um, but yeah, if they can get TJ Warren experiment going, I'm not too worried about them. And like Zach Lowe loves to say, I will not give up on the Sixers yet. Uh, they're a hard team to give up on because they're so darn talented. Yeah, I just it's it's more about I'm not worried about them not getting some wins here. I, I just I just had expectations of them just being better out of the gates. Um, yeah. And by the way, Bobby, you know, as many people did, it brings up the um, um, the TJ Warren trade. Oh man, which was one of the. Yeah. We don't we don't see trades like this much more in the NBA because, no. um, frankly, front offices have equalized a little bit over the last five to ten years. You rarely see sort of, well, not that rare. Well, it happens, but you rarely see trades that make no sense whatsoever. Um, and there's been so much more money has come into the league through the TV deals that you don't see as many straight money deals as you used to. But do you remember the, 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 the circumstances of the trade that sent Warren from yeah. Phoenix? Oh, I to, remember. Uh, I, rem- I remember. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting in the little, I guess it's the green room in, at the Barclays center getting ready for the draft when uh, the trade was agreed upon. And it's one of those trades where like you have to double check with the Pacers that it's actually right <laughs> because <laughs> right. it was, um, it, it wound up being a three-team deal because the Heat came in to play um, because they got one of those picks. But they wound up uh, Indiana wound up getting three first, uh, three second-round picks, uh, and TJ Warren from a combination of Phoenix and, and Miami. And um, all they had to do was give them one point one million back to the Suns because that was the, that was the minimum they in a trade that you you know you have to include. Um, and, and Warren's on these really great rookie extension deals he's got after this year another two years um he's been injury prone i mean that's the big thing right he missed a ton of games last year he's missed i think it was 115 since he's he's gotten there but they basically kind of gave up on the guy because they were looking to clear cap space to try to go out and get you know wind up being ricky rubio um and you also you also wind up giving up d'anthony melton in a later trade um, to clear it because you needed more you needed more room so um, you could have had um, you could have Melton and, and TJ Warren there in Phoenix and and the Suns argument will be well we've got our wings are loaded with um, you know with bridges and you know we drafted Cam Johnson well Cam Johnson was drafted after the after the fact after that trade was agreed upon and right. you didn't know if Kelly Oubre was going to resign you know he was restricted but yet he hadn't agreed yet so that is one of the, and we, I think me and Kevin Pelton um, wrote about it right after the, uh, right after the draft. I know Kevin did, but we had to write kind of one of the, what's the most head scratching move of the draft. And that, for me, that was, that was the TJ Warren trade. Well, I don't know if the, the Pacers sort of, the Pacers had cap space and weren't exactly sure who they were going to use it on. Um, and it's always been difficult to get free agents to come to Indiana. They've had a couple where they've done well over the years, David West being the primary one but um so they just absorbed that contract and i was like okay we will use him we see him as sort of our free agent signing we didn't have to bid against anybody we knew exactly what his contract was um and not only did they they got the 32nd pick in addition it'd be one thing if they had the 32nd (laughs) they got the 32nd pick which is a valuable pick so valuable in fact that they flipped it for three seconds but anyway um 
not every day do you think TJ Warren is a player that is a foundational player and he probably will have his up and downs again, but it was a reminder that that guy who scored 53 points was basically acquired with a second round pick. For the next <laughs> um, but he was torching the uh, 76ers in the 70, you know, he had nine threes in that game. The 76ers could have done, done with one of their power <laughs> forwards that they have hit nine threes. Uh, as a group, they would love for their power forwards to hit nine threes in a, in a game. Or they don't get them hit nine threes in a week. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because they've, they've put Al Horford into the bench and his first foray in that bench role, he did not play well. So it's going to be a, um, a microscope on, this, on, the, on the Sixers. And, and they may end up coming out with that matchup with the Celtics. But if they lose in the first round, it's a catastrophic season, and I can't see in any way that there's not major changes, which we'll talk about a lot. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So before we go, I do think we should talk a little bit about this race in the Western Conference for the eighth seed. Um, we've seen Portland and Memphis both have a couple of very tight games coming out. Portland w- wins against Memphis in overtime. Memphis barely loses to the Spurs today. Um, I think DeJounte Murray hit a three-pointer that essentially won the game um, in the final minute. And uh, Portland then comes back and has a four-point loss to Boston after the big comeback. And the San Antonio Spurs, Kirk, your San Antonio Spurs, despite not having the Marcus Aldridge, despite Marco Bellinelli being out, uh, despite, you know, challenges, you know, to sort of uh, stitch things together, come out and go 2-0 and and are now in ninth place, you know, in position to at least force a play-in term if they keep going. And they're having fun. They are the the equivalent of sort of a Cinderella team. Nobody was talking about coming into this environment. Um, they've benefited from Memphis and Portland and New Orleans not getting off the great starts. Uh, but then they've taken care of business. They they had a game against Sacramento where they, they won by nine. And then today, a huge win against Memphis. Um, so tomorrow, they beat the Sixers. Look out, world. Here we are again. <laughs> the playoff streak. The playoff streak is is still alive, I mean, you know, it, and and it's fun, Brian, because a lot of not a lot of our listeners might know the guys who are who are starting for the Spurs, but Derek White, Keldon Johnson, uh, their draft pick from last year, they love Keldon Johnson. A lot of Marcus Smart like vibes, really aggressive, great teammate, really physical. Um, he had a great game. 
uh, DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker. Uh, the future is bright in San Antonio with this young core of guards that's out there getting it done in the bubble in tomorrow's game. Hey, I'll plug it. I guess most people will be listening to this on Monday. Tonight's game against the Sixers. Uh, check it out because this Spurs team is fun to watch. The Sixers have their own issue. Uh, but, yeah, the Spurs have played themselves into, if the season ended right now, they would be the team against Memphis in that playing situation. Uh, and that's the best they could have hoped for two games into the bubble. So let's see if they can keep it up. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, Kirk, too, because they had the last two games, they've had DeMar DeRozan playing the four. <laughs> <laughs> so you are going to go up against a Philly team that, as you know, is big, right? Yeah. So if, uh, but I tell you, I, I've been writing my off-season articles on, I guess I call it with these obituaries on these teams, and um, <laughs> right. I am I'm not finished. I am not. I will not finish my San Antonio one. I like will not. Like, <laughs> I've got like like it's like just blanks in the article, right? And out of respect to that team, I will not do it because I want I want to see where this uh, this already goes. I've already written my New Orleans. I've already written my Sacramento. Um, I haven't touched Memphis or Portland yet. I've done my Washington, but. I will not. I will not finish off this San Antonio team. Well, DeRozan basically playing point power forward because they run a lot of their offense through him. Uh, I think he had 11 assists against the Kings. He had seven assists today. Um, but you know, Pop. Uh, you know, I wasn't even sure Pop was going to be able to come coach. You know, and like I'll be honest with you, I was saying to myself, should Pop risk coming there and coaching? You know, with the Corona challenges and for a team that may not have a lot. And, you know, Pop has been as energized as ever um, and uh, has stitched together this team, you know, stitched together the lineup uh, the best he can, you know, played like, um, you know, played like nine or 10 guys today, um, you know, was, or actually played 11 guys, but I guess, uh, you know, 10, 10 in the rotation. And, um, you know, this is, this is one of the things that, you know, we come to the bubble to see is to see these things we didn't expect. And, and so far, uh, San Antonio is one of them and, um, you know, the Pelicans sinking and there's a lane there and the Spurs have taken position in that lane for the time being. Um, they do have a tough week, although after the 76ers, they play the Nuggets and I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen with the Nuggets. So oh. they're missing three, you know, it took them forever to get their their team, but they did have all 15 players in Orlando when the when the game started. But they have three starters: um, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and Will Barton, who are all out. And according to Mike Malone, they are out indefinitely. Um, and they lost their first game, and I don't think that they're going to play tomorrow. And ultimately, this whole thing about Denver is they only have to have their guys, I guess, when the playoffs start. But, um, you know, that's a, an opportunity for the Spurs right there if they can get the Nuggets while they're a little weak. And um, who knows? I mean, who knows? What's the 20? Was it 22 years? What's 22 years. I think this would be the 23rd year, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. which, which would be the new record. They're currently tied for the record. With the Jazz? Oh, I should know that. I don't know. Bobby should know it too. Bobby. Oh, I don't know. I'll, we'll say Utah out of respect. <laughs> I, I I know that the, the Stockton Malone Jazz had like twenty years at some point. Maybe it's the Celtics or something. But and it um, sure ain't the Kings. <laughs> I think I think the Kings drought is going to continue. Um, 
sadly. But uh, I will say, um, most of these games, especially in the race for that uh, eighth seed, have been highly competitive. A couple of overtime games. Um, we saw the Blazers today, again, down 27 or 25 or whatever it was, not give up on that game. Dame Lillard hitting a bunch of shots down the stretch to get them in the game. These are not exhibition games. These teams are really playing. And uh, and to watch, you know, the Lakers, the way the Lakers, the Lakers have played poorly offensively their first two games. That's why they're 1-1 one and one and not 2-0. and oh. But um, if you've watched the Lakers play the first two games, the effort level that they are giving on defense is wow. very impressive. No, my favorite sequence, Brian, this whole time. I mean, shout out to the NBA and all the teams and everybody's making this happen and playing so hard. But my favorite sequence was in that first Clipper-Laker game when LeBron was busting his behind on both sides of the court late in that game, guarding both uh, Kawhi and Paul George in that pivotal sequence. That dude was trying. And then he got his own rebound in the biggest play of the night. Um, These guys are trying so hard. And you're right, these games already have sort of a postseason vibe to them even in cases where the teams don't have much to play for in terms of seeding their their seeding is already locked up in some cases. Uh, the Lakers have a pretty comfortable lead and they're busting their, their butts out there, but it's been great. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to say it's one of the best offensive plays of LeBron's career because we're talking about our regular season game, but the final 12 seconds of that first game against the Spur against the uh, Clippers where LeBron successfully denied both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George mm-hmm. on the same possession. Incredible. That's in the uh, that's in the file for some one of his greatest defensive efforts uh, that I've ever seen. So I am enjoying um, watching the highly competitive nature of these games. Hopefully, it keeps up. Uh, thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Kirk, and thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have a good week. And by the time we talk to you again, hope we have a lot more good basketball to talk about.